Okay, good evening. Good evening to everyone. We are live streaming from uh, Avi Stein's house. If you'd like to join, you're still invited to join 3112 West Jarlath. And tonight we're going to be learning a blot and a half. But Jarlath? Jarlath. Jarlath. Um, and we are starting at a fresh Mishnah at the top of Tesvav Amidalev. We will soon see that this Mishnah on the top of Tesvav Amidalev is a contrast to the Mishnah that we learned on Yudalad Amidalev. We'll see in a moment that the Gemara, in its explanation of this Mishnah, is going to show us that really they both are, are the same exact machlokas, which is, of course, a problem. So let's get started. Tikra, if you have a roof that has boards, she'ein aleha ma'aziva. Yes, Rashi highlights the details. That yes, it has the boards. However, it doesn't have the, the plaster over it to keep the boards in place and to waterproof the house. So what's the story with that if one wanted to use them for a sukkah. So that's a machlokas. Now, first of all, I'm just going to say right now, it's hard to read this Mishnah because it's hard to know. Rabbi Huda is going to present a couple of shittas. He's presenting two or three, and we'll see what this means. Rabbi Huda Omer. Rabbi Huda says that this is a machlokas beishamai beishila. Rabbi Huda says, beishamai omrim mefakpeik, you have to move around some of the boards. So let's imagine a scenario where you have, you know, you're slightly slant, you have your roof and you have your boards that are you know, next to each other, they are, we do this on our roofs as well. They first put down plywood, and then they put down the waterproofing layer, and then they put down the shingles. So imagine just the only thing that they had done is put down the plywood, and it's more than four tfachim per piece. So Beishamai says you have to do two things. You have to move around the pieces because of seemingly the concern of Tasev Lomina. So it's not clear what he holds. The notel achas mi bein assignment as well, you have to remove alternating pieces in order to ensure you can put kosher schach there because everyone agrees that that which is more than four tvachim is problematic for kosher schach. So that's Rabbi Huda quoting Beishamai. Now Rabbi Huda quotes Beishilo, third line test of Avam and Aleph. Oh, you don't have to do both of them, of moving the boards and removing some of the boards. You have to do either or. And the Gemara is going to analyze this machlokas beishamai beishilo, and then the Gemara adds in that Rav Meir Omer no tel achas mi beinosayim veinu mefakpek. He says you only need to remove boards, and you never need to do uh, pikpuk. It doesn't help at all to, to move the boards around. So that's a seemingly a three-way machlokas in the in the in the in the Mishnah. That beishamai says you have to do both. Beishilo says you can do either. And Rav Meir says you only uh, can you only can do removal of, of boards, and that's the only way that it works. So then the Gemara opens up in trying to understand the underbelly, what underlies the shitas of the Tanaim here in the Mishnah. What's bothering Beis Hillel and what's bothering Beis Shammai? So it says the Gemara, Beis Hillel is much easier to understand. Bishlama Beis Hillel, I understand the opinion of Beis Hillel. Ta'amaihu, their reasoning, their concern in our Mishnah is Mishum Ta'asevelomina Asui. Listen, you're in the middle of building your house, and all of a sudden the construction's going slow. You got plywood on top of your house, and you're like, well, it's sukkah tomorrow. May as well use this as a sukkah. So their concern is tasavalomina asui. And because their concern is tasavalomina asui, so therefore, if you move the boards around, that solves the problem of tasavalomina asui. You did a maisa, so now the maisa is new. Remember the word tasa, it has to be made. 
Lomina Asui, not would not from that which was already made. So the word Asui here is a Dafka word. The word is teaching us this is considered a Misa. And Inotel Achas Mibenasaim, and if you remove one of the pieces of wood or every alternating piece, as the Meforshim explained, then also Avad Be Misa. So we understand Beis Hillel when he says either or, either move the boards around or remove alternating boards. Either way, that solves the problem of Tasev Lomina Asui. However, says the Gemara, Ela Beishamai, my Tamayu, the sheet of Beishamai is very confusing. Why do you need both? Imishum Tasev Lomina Asui. If Beishamai's primary concern is, is Tasev Lomina Asui, why do I need both to be Mefakpeik and to remove one of the boards? Bechada Sagi. Either one should be good the same way that Beishelel presented his Shita. And if what you're concerned about is Xeras Tikra, that Xeras uh, Tikra we've spoken about over the last couple of days, which is an Isser Derabonon, uh, namely, we don't allow for a person to use as boards that are used to build a house because we're afraid that someone may confuse them and not have the right kavanas and then the sukkah is not kosher. So says the Gemara, if what was bothering Beis Shammai was that it, he was concerned about Gzeras Tikra, so if that's true, then then under those circumstances, then all that needs to happen is he needs to remove the wood. So what is bugging Beis Shammai? Why would Beis Shammai then require the, both steps of pikpuk and to remove alternating pieces of wood? So it says the Gemara about 10 lines down. Le'olam, really, Beis Shammai Shita is Mishum Gzeras Tikra. That's really the case. His concern is not Tasevalomina Asui, and his concern is only Gzeras Tikra. Now, if that's true, says the Gemara, if that's true, then why did we have the case of pikpuk? What? Because that doesn't help for, for uh, that doesn't help for Gzeras Tikra. The pikpuk, just moving the boards around, still leaves you with boards that are more than four tvachim. So how do we understand Beishamai? This is how Beishamai would explain themselves. Even if you had done the pikpuk, that you move the boards around, still, namely, according to Beishamai, pikpuk is irrelevant. If you are concerned about Gzeras Tikra, and you go over there, over there, and you move all the boards around, you reach up and you move board one, but that doesn't make a difference. That doesn't solve the problem of Xeras Tikra because you still have boards that are normal to build a house with, and therefore they're not kosher for schach. And that's why the pickbook is irrelevant. And the only way to remove the Xeras Tikra is if one were to uh, remove alternating pieces of wood, because that would show that you're not building a house. It says the Gemara, if that's true, that really based Shammai in our Mishnah is not concerned about Tasevalomina Asui, and he's only concerned about Xeras Tikra. If that's true and Pikpuk is irrelevant, then <laughs> that poses a problem for us. <clears throat> We're one quarter of the way down. <clears throat> and says the Gemara, Yahachi, if you're going to interpret the Shita of Beis Shammai to mean <clears throat> that our primary concern is not Tasevalomina Asui, and our primary concern is Gzeras Tikra. And if you are going to say, <coughs> <clears throat> that therefore the pickbook is irrelevant, and therefore um, you have to do the move, removal of the boards. But if that's true, then Beishama is no different than the last sheet in our Mishnah, Ema Seifa. If you look back in our Mishnah, Rav Meir Omer, no tel achas mi ben asayim, that you should only take from one of the boards, remove some of the boards of alo yifak peik, but one would have no need to move around the boards because for Xeras Tikra, moving the boards doesn't solve any problems. There still are boards above you. That doesn't help. That's Rav Meir, Hainu Beishamai. The way that we reinterpreted Beishamai, different than the language of our Mishnah, 
Now he sounds exactly like Rav Meir. So says the Gemara, you have completely misunderstood our Mishnah. This is a little cryptic in the language of the Gemara. Hachi Ka'amri says the Gemara, Rav Meir is not the same as Beis Shammai. Why not? Hachi Ka'amar. This is what um, Rav Meir, the last sheet in our Mishnah, is saying to Rav Yehuda. He's saying, Lo He's pushing back on Rabbi Yehuda. Remember, we started our Mishnah today, that in a case of Tikra Shein Ma'aziva, the Rabbi Yehuda presented a Machlokas Beis Shammai Beis Hillel. What's Rav Meir's response in the Gemara? It's not a third Shita. It's a disagreement of the initial presentation of Rabbi Yehuda, who said it's a Machlokas Beis Shammai Beis Hillel. What does Rav Meir say? It's not a Machlokas Beis Shammai Beis Hillel. You're just wrong. It's just not what it is. There's no Machlokas at all. And all the only thing we require is the removal of the boards. It happens to align with Beis Shammai, but that's uh, irrelevant. The point is that there is no Machlokas. And that's section one of the Gemara, which is trying to understand the Shitas of our Mishnah, which is that Beis Hillel was concerned about Tasa Velomina Asui. And because he was concerned about that, then he was either or either move some of the boards or remove some of the boards, both of which work to solve the problem of Tasa Velomina Asui. Masha'in Ken, according to Be'i Shammai, his concern was Gzeras Tikra, and really the language of our Mishnah is misleading. Be'i Shammai is not worried about Tasa Velomina Asui. He's only worried about Gzeras Tikra, and the only thing that solves that problem is removing some of the boards, because when, when you have a board and then an empty space and then a board and then nobody lives in a house like that, none of us would live in a house that has wide open roof. That's not normal. Sometimes we have leaks in our roof. That's different, but we don't like that. So obviously that's a way to solve the problem for Beis Shammai. And then Rav Meir comes along and says to Rabbi Yehuda, what are you talking about? There is no Machlokes Beis Shammai Beis Hillel in our Mishnah. And really we just hold, and Rav Meir says the whole Hadeos, we are of the opinion that all you need to do is remove the alternating boards. So says the Gemara, that implies, the way that we just explained our Mishnah over here on Tesvav and Aleph is that the Machlokas in our Mishnah, according to a mayor at least, is whether or not we hold of Gzeras Tikra. And says the Gemara, my Kamashmalan, if that's what's happening in our Mishnah, that our Mishnah is only teaching us about Gzeras Tikra here on Tesvav and Aleph, that that's the Machlokas of Yehud and Rav Meir, well, if that's true, then we had the same exact thing happen on Yudal Ramad Aleph. And if you look, flipped back to Yudal Ramad Aleph, you'll see the Machlokas that was there where we said, Mesachachin bin Isarm Dibrev Yehuda Vrev Meir Oser. So there, yesterday in the Gemara, we said their Machlokas was about Gzeras Tikra. So if the Mishnah on Tezvav was just interpreted as about as a, being about Gzeras Tikra, and the Mishnah on Yudal Ramad Aleph is about Gzeras Tikra, then Rav Yehuda and Rav Meir have the same Mishnah twice in a row, different words, but the same gist, which is that the Machlokas between them is about whether or not we have a Gzera of Gzeras Tikra. So it says, my Kamashman, what is this Mishnah even teaching us? Are you trying to tell me the Rav Meir is like Gzeras Tikra of Rav Yehuda less like Gzeras Tikra? Are you trying to say that that's what the Mishnah here on Tezvav is discussing? If that's what you're trying to say, says the Gemara, we already learned this. We already saw that Rav Yehuda and Rav Meir have a machlokas about Gzeras Tikra. Where? On Yudal and Amad Aleph. Ditnan, as the Mishnah writes, and that's the question of the Gemara. According to the way that Rav Meir explained himself, it seems that the Mishnah on Tezvav is having a machlokas of Yehuda and Rav Meir about Gzeras Tikra, which is the same exact machlokas we had a blot ago. So how do we answer that question? Two different answers. The first answer will not, will not make the cut. Let's see what the Gemara says. We're almost halfway down on Tezvav and Manalah. Amar Abba, Amar Yochanan, 
Resha, the first Mishnah, namely, the Mishnah in Yudal Raman Aleph is talking about Benesar Meshupim Maskinan. We're talking about boards that have been planed and smoothed. They're really nice boards and they're, they look good and they're, they're, not, they're not raw wood anymore. They've been shaped out, basically the wood that we buy at at Home Depot is this wood. It's been trimmed. It's been either sanded or the the, ed, the the corners are rounded a little bit just so you don't get too many splinters or don't get a cut. So that's what we're talking about. That was the Mishnah Yudal and Amadalaf, which was talking about Nisarim that are Meshupin, Umishum Gzeras Kalim Naguba. And there in that Mishnah, really what they were arguing about was Gzeras Kalim. Namely, once you take a piece of wood and you refine it, now now it's a kli. Now it's not wood anymore. And a kli is makabal tuma, and therefore it can't be used as uh, as schach. And that's the machlokas on, uh, on yud, dal, ramad, alef. And over here, we're talking about not gzeras kalim. Here we're talking about about, uh, gzeras, uh, about gzeras tikra. So then says the Gemara, that does not work. You want to say that it's about the wood that has been shaved down and it's shaped out beautifully. But a couple of days ago, we learned the Gemara that doesn't seem to say that. Remember, we spoke about how to make arrows. We spoke about arrows that um, that are made in one of two different ways. Either that the piece of wood is a male part of the piece of wood and it inserts into the arrow, or the reverse, that the arrow is the male part and it inserts into the wood itself. Which one? So says the Gemara, well, the Rabbi Huda Amarab, this answer that you just gave, Rav Chia, that the Mishnah Yadalit is talking about wood that has been shaped out and is a kli, and we're concerned about a kli. Well, if that's true, why weren't we concerned about the same thing yesterday when we learned about the arrows? The Amar, we learned, if you used wood that was made for arrows, and it was wood that was that had a protrusion at its end so that an arrow could be placed on top of it. We said that that was kshera. And binakabos, if the wood was concave in order to receive an arrow that was convex, so then psula, that doesn't work. And there, below gazar zacharimatu nakeba, there we didn't have a gzera of kalim. You want to answer that the Mishnah Yadala is talking about a gzera of kalim. Well, you had the opportunity to teach that to us when we spoke about the different types of wood and how you make arrows, where the con, where the convex versus the concave have different halachos, but you didn't say that gzera. So hachanah, here too on the Mishnah Yudalad, you want to say it's all about the Gzeras Kim? No, it can't be about that because if it was, we would have seen that come up a lot ago when we were talking about Kalim and we didn't see that because remember that the the the, the wood that is in the Keva, the, the one that has a, a that has a clay keeble to receive the arrow, that's puzzle. That's puzzle because it's been carved out and it's Makabal Tuma. Well, why aren't we concerned about the Zachar for the Nekeva? So says the Gemara, clearly there, there's no Gzeira. So if that's true over there, then Hachanami, a little more than halfway down, Lo Nigzar Nisara Mishup and Matu Kalim, then we shouldn't be concerned about that either. And therefore, it can't be that the Mishnah Yadalit is talking about the Gzeira of Gzeras Kalim. So therefore, the Gemara is back to its initial question of how do we explain the fact that we have the same uh, exact machlokas two Mishnahis in a row, that Rav Meir and Rav Yehuda seem to be arguing about Gzeras Tikra, both in the Mishnah and Yadalit, and in the Mishnah here, Antesva, so says the Gemara, El al it must therefore be that Resha Pligi Gzeras Tikra, that the Mishnah and Yadalit was taka talking about Gzeras Tikra. The Seifa also, the Seifa is also talking about Pligi Gzeras Tikra. Well, that's not an answer. We we asked you a question. We said, you have two Mishnahis in a row. How can it be that both of them are talking about Gzeras Tikra? And the Gemara says, don't worry. They're both talking about Gzeras Tikra. That's a terrible response. So says the Gemara, zimne, lomali. 
okay, <laughs> you didn't explain yourself. Why, why are both Mishnayas talking about the same exact thing? It doesn't even make any sense. So says the Gemara, really, you misunderstood what was going on here. These two Mishnayas should have been taught in one Mishnah. By the way, sometimes you'll see in the Kahati, when you learn a Mishnah, the trun they're truncated differently. You'll see larger chunks of Mishnayas. And what we see here, I don't even know what the Kahati does here. I have no idea. But these two should be taught together because really the two Mishnayas are a weaved conversation of Rav Meir and Rav Yehuda. And the Gemara presents what that is. We're two-thirds of the way down. Seifa, this Mishnah here on Tesvav, the second Mishnah, Rav Yehuda, the Ka'amar lay the Rav Meir. Rav Yehuda is pushing back on Rav Meir and he says, in the Mishnah Yudalit, why did you say in the Mishnah Yudalad Rav Meir? Why did you say that the concern was Zeras Tikra? And we don't paskin like Beis Shammai. What you're saying, Rav Meir, in the Mishnah Yudalad, you're saying like Beis Shammai. We don't paskin like Beis Shammai. That's what the Mishnah on Tesvav is responding to the Mishnah on Yadalad. The Mishnah on Yadalad, Rav Meir said, I hold that there's Zeras Tikkur. Rabbi Huda presents in the Mishnah on Tesvav. What are you talking about? We, it's Machlokas Beis Shammai Beis You took Beis Shammai's side. You can't do that. So these two Mishnahis have to be taught in concert. And then the conversation continues. The Amar Le Rav Meir, no, Rabbi Huda, you're totally wrong. Lo nechleku Beis Shammai Beis Beautiful explanation. These two Mishnahis really belong together. And there is a subtext of dialogue that we don't see explicitly in the Mishnah. But the Gemara gives us the backstory. It's kind of like when you see the framing of a movie, you see facts, but you don't see the story, the context of the story. And as the movie progresses, they fill in the details. That's what, I mean, Havdil. But that's what's happening here. The Mishnahis present as two clean Mishnahis. The Gemara says, wait, wait a second, they're both so similar. The Gemara says, yeah, because you missed the subtext. There's more going on here. Rabbi Huda doesn't like what Rav Meir said in the Mishnah on Yudal, so he pushes back on him in the Mishnah on Tesvav. And Rabbi, Huda, Rabbi Meir at the end of the Mishnah on Tesvav says, Rabbi Huda, what are you talking about? There is no machlokas here. And that's why I hold the way that I hold. Beautiful, beautiful. But then says the Gemara, three-fourths of the way down, about 15 lines up, this whole explanation works out fine, Lirav. Remember yesterday, we spoke about a machlokas, Rav and Rav Yochan, maybe two days ago, about whether or not, when you have wood on top of your sukkah, that is 10, uh, that is uh, either four or less than four tzvachim, that was a machlokas we have between Rav and Shmuel. So it says the Gemara as follows, I could understand our Mishnah, according to Rav. What was Rav's opinion to Omar? When the wood, the nisarim, the planks of wood that are on our sukkah are four tefach wide. The Rav Meir is like zeras tikra, where Rav Meir would say, we talk a, do have a zeras tikra, where Behuda less like zeras tikra. This is kafta referral. This is perfect for Rav because this Mishnah has four tefachim in it. That's what Rashi says at the very top of the page. But according to Shmuel, but according to Shmuel, who says that the only machlokas between Rav Yehud and Rav Meir is when the wood that's on top of the sukkah is less than four. He would say that it would not be kosher at the wood bin four. If that's true, then I don't understand what the machlokas is over here because everyone agrees that the wood is four in this Mishnah. So therefore, says the Gemara, you're right, the Machlokes within the camp of Shmuel between uh, Rav Yehud and Rav Meir is Bibi Tule Tikra Kamiflage. What does it take, says Shmuel, within the Machlokes Rav Yehud and Rav Meir, to be Mavatel Schach, to be Mavatel what is up there, the non-kosher Schach, to enable 
putting up kosher schach. So if you have boards up there, what does it take to make them not be the boards that are problematic? Do you have to move them? Do you have to remove some of them? And that's the machlokas that we see in our Mishnah. So Shmuel had to reinterpret a little bit as to what was going on in our Mishnah to make sure that his shita would match. And that brings us almost to the end of the Mishnah here, Mar Savar Batla Bahachi, one Shita holds that this is considered sufficient of either doing a pickbook or whatever, all the, what we had in our Mishnah, the pickbook or removing the Bein Asayim, removing the alternating ones, Umar Savar Bahachi, Lo Batla, that this is insufficient to create for Bittal. So Shmuel has an answer to this question. And that brings us to another Mishnah. This Mishnah is, doesn't seem very halachalamaisa, but it is very, very, very halachalamaisa. We know that in our sukkahs, this is how I make my sukkah, we have beams that go across to support the schach. Can you use things that are puzzle for schach to do that? And the answer is that yes, you are allowed to do that, and it's from this Mishnah. There's a famous sheet of the Chazanish that we don't allow maimed to maimed, that you're not even allowed to use any metal. So uh, a lot, a lot, most people are making a lot of it, but the Lichatchila version of a sukkah doesn't have any metal at all. It's not so simple to build a sukkah that has no metal. But what's very common, you go to Home Depot, they find these brackets that are two by four shaped and you screw them in and you can literally slide a piece of wood in there. It's perfect, it doesn't move, the screws are in and you could lay out your schach perfectly. So let's learn this Mishnah with that lens because that's kind of what's happening here. Um, let's say that a person uses shipudin, which is made out of metal. It's makabal tuma. For sure, that's not kosher for schach. It's meant to support the schach. Or with some of the longer pieces of wood that make a bed. Let's imagine the beds that we uh, that we make at home. Uh, we have some of them for, our, for some of our kids. They're made out of wood. So it's four pieces of wood, too long for the length and too, too smaller on the sides with four feet. So if you take the arujo samita, you take the longer side of the of the wood and you're using that, that's a kli, that's also puzzle. Does that ruin the sukkah? So it says, says the Mishnah as follows, Im yesh as long as it's 50-50, right? As long as, uh, it, let's say each piece of wood is four tefach wide. So if you have four tefach of the arucho samita, four tefach of blank, of, of empty space, which you'll use for kosher schach, four tefach of another length of bed. Uh, if it's 50-50, <laughs> So remember the other day, we've been speaking about this before. We said, if it's chamsa meruba mitzilsa by the schach, that's a problem. If it's silsa meruba mechamsa, it's kosher. What do we never talk about when they're 50-50? What does this Mishnah say? Seems to be fine. We're going to discuss that more in the Gemara. And then another case that we saw a couple of days ago as well, which is the case of when you have bales of hay stacked up, let's say six by six by six in piles. That's a huge, it's a very big, and you want, you, you want to carve out your sukkah. So we saw this already quoted and we actually were in Medayik in the language that Eina is a very strong language. Eina sukkah, it's not even a sukkah. And therefore the halacha would be that it's tasa belomina asu in puzzle. So let's analyze First of all, we learned in the ratio of our Mishnah, we learned in our Mishnah that if you have exactly 50-50, that the sukkah can still be kosher. So says the Gemara, maybe that that din that we saw in the Tanakhama in, in our Mishnah, this would probably not match with the sheet of Rav Huna Rav Yoshua. Why not? Why doesn't this match with Rav Huna Rav Yoshua? Our Mishnah says 50-50 still works. What does Rav Huna Rav Yoshua say? When you have a wall that's broken on Shabbos and it is exactly 50-50, you have you know, whatever, 12 feet of wall, that's too much because the pirta would be, has to be less than 10 amos. You have four, uh, exactly four amos that are open and exactly four amos that are closed. That's a machlokes and the amorim, three lines from the bottom, Tesvav Maralaf, Rav Papa Amar Motor, Rav Huna Bereit Rav Yoshua Amar Aser. 
well, hold on one second. Rafun Bredi Rabbi Yeshua, why would you say it's us or it's 50 50? It's Paros Keomed. What did our Mishnah say? Our Mishnah said, if you look back at the language, that if in between the non-kosher pieces of schach, you have an equal amount of space in between to put kosher schach, our Mishnah says the sukkah is kosher. So how can Rav Huna say that when it's parutz ke'omed 50-50, it's not kosher? Our Mishnah says that by schach, when it's 50-50, it's kosher. Stira. It says the Gemara, Amar Lach Rav Huna, no, Amar Lach Rav Huna, Rav Yoshua, my Kemosan, you misunderstood what it meant in our Mishnah when it says that it's Kemosan, and then the Gemara says, Benichnas Viyotze. Benichnas Viyotze is a phrase that means that if you have, let's say, we'll use the iPhones as that, right? You have an iPhone that's kosher, and you have an iPhone that's puzzle, and you have an iPhone that's kosher. So the one that's kosher has to be able to fit in and out perfectly. Nichnas Viyotze means that there's enough space. It's actually not 50-50. It's 52.48, it's a little bit more space to be able to get in and out the kosher piece of schach, and therefore it's kosher, and that's the first answer of the Gemara, says the Gemara, but not really, but think about magnetiles. Magnetiles snap together perfectly. They're exactly the same size. The factory makes them. There's not a human being that's making an error. They're all X number of inches, whatever, three inches square, the square ones. So it says, you could have made it exactly right, and it still could have fit in. It still could have been 50-50. And to that, the Gemara says, if you're right, it could have been. But really, what we're talking about is it's not actually 50-50. Our Mishnah, when it says, and it doesn't mean 50-50. It means 52-48, that there's really a little bit more space. But Rava gives a very mechudash answer. Rava Amar, This is very mechudash, a brilliant idea. Rava says, no, it could even be 50-50 mamish. How then could it be kosher? Says the Gemara, If you have the non-kosher schach in one direction, let's call it on the x-axis, so then we put the kosher schach on the y-axis. Instead of putting them parallel, kosher, non-kosher, kosher, non-kosher, we do kosher, 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 and then non-kosher in the other direction, intersecting. And then the Svara Rashi highlights this beautiful Rashi, not for now, we don't have uh, that much time. But Rashi says, why is it that if it's exactly 50-50 of space that it's kosher? And Rashi gives a beautiful Svara. In order for the 50% of schach that's kosher to show, some of it needs to rest on the non-kosher schach to be held up. And therefore, even though you can't see it, but it's integral to the schach's integrity, you can't do anything about it. The schach needs to stand. So even if what you see is 50-50, but because we needed a couple of extra inches of kosher schach to lean on the beams that were not kosher, that's considered the 52-48 and therefore kosher. And that's what, and, and also the reverse is true as well. Arev, nosnan shesi, whatever, whatever you put one in one direction, put one in the other. Uh, the halacha is that it's still going to be kosher. We are at the two dots on Tesvavim at base, three line, four lines down. We said that these are the long parts of a bed, right? They're about six, seven feet long, however long they are. says the Gemara, maybe our Mishnah supports the Shita of Ravami. Let's say a person made schach out of bivloi kalim psula. You made it out of kalim, out of clothing, out of garments that are very, very worn down. We'll see in the Gemara on the next Amud, because we're it's a Thursday, we're going to learn a little extra. We're going to go to the Mishnah on Tezai and Amaralev. So there, the what happens if you have a, a, a garment that's worn down so much that it's only less than three by three tfachet? So when it's more than three by three tfachim, let's say a pair of socks, right? Whatever, an undershirt, that's for sure a garment, that's for sure a clean, for sure you can't use it. But if it's less than that, then it's not makabotuma anymore. 
Maybe we should be able to use it for schach. Uh, we saw in our Mishnah that the Aruchos Amita were not kosher. We see here that they're not kosher with the Bavloi, with the with the Bloi, with the Bloi Kalim, with the worn down clothes. So maybe this is our Mishnah is a beautiful Marimakom for Avami Bartibumi, because just like the the uh, bed, the bedposts are considered to be ineligible for schach, so to the Bloi Kalim. Says the Gemara, no, you're not correct, because actually the legs of the bed actually have a use, and the, the Bloi Kalim don't. Kedamar of Hanan. Let's say you have a long part of the bed with two of its legs, right? You're in the middle of building the bed. You only have one long part with two of the legs screwed in, or or you have one of the short sides of the bed, the ends of the bed, the foot or head of the bed, and there are two legs in there. And that is still considered a kli. Hachanami here to in our Mishnah, that either way, this is still considered a kli. We're going to analyze this in a moment, but the point is that we tried to bring our Mishnah as a Raya for Ravami, but they really are apples and oranges because in the case of Ravami, it's taka true that it's not Makabal Tuma. There's zero usage for Bloy Kalim for something that's less than three by three and made out of fabric. Masha'in Kain, when it comes to the Aruchos Hamita or the Ktsar Hamita, that still has a use. We'll see what that use is on the, Amud, on the next Amud. So says the Gemara, where did we have this statement of Rav Hanan about the beds? Says the Gemara, last line, Tes Vavam at Beis, Baruch Hashem for short Amudim in a blot and a half day, not complaining. Where did this line come up? So says the Gemara, as we turn to the top of Tesai and Maralaf, the last Amud for the night, Ahaditnan, his statement was made on the following Mishnah. Mita, if you have a bed, which is of course mitame, it's a kli, so it's a, it's makabal tuma. Mita mitamaas chavila, the whole thing can become tame. Umitaheres chavila divirabelazer. Let's say that a bed becomes you can dip the whole thing in a mikvah. Now we are not makbed on these things today because this is only two of the times of the base hamikdash. Most of the things that we own, including ourselves, are probably tame, and we all need tara by the time that we're going to need a lot of paraduma. We're going to need a lot of paradigm. We have a lot of tumah. We're going to have to learn a lot of Torah. We should just start paying more attention. We're getting close. Where a lot of nevuas have already come true. So we're, we're getting very close, but we're going to have to learn some of these halachos. But let's say that the bed became tummy because Anita sat on it, whatever the case may be. And now you want to be metahir that bed. You got to dip the whole thing. You got to get a crane. Go get a huge mikvah, get a cramp, whatever. You got to figure it out. Or you can take it apart too. That's fine too. But the point is that the whole thing can become a unit of... Um, of Tuma. Second line of Tazayan Wadala Vikhachamim Omrim, Mitamas Evarim Umitaharis Evarim. It can even, even if you're in the midst of making the bed, it's the IKEA bed, 47 pieces, and you've got one leg that has yet to be put on, it becomes tummy. No problem. Take it to the mikvah. You don't need to bring the whole bed like Rabbi Eliezer says. You can just do that one thing. Ah, so my nihu, what does that mean that it's Evarim Evarim? Ah, this is where we see the Shita. Amar of Khan and Amar Rabbi, this is the Shita we saw quoted on Tazvav Marala, Amar Bez. What was the dinner? This was the example. So says the Gemara, on the previous Amud, you said that there was something different between Bloy Kalim, between the three by three garment that is too small to ever be considered usable and is not Mechabal and the parts of the bed that are Mechabal Tumah. says the Gemara, I don't understand. Let's say that you have a bed that is uh, the, the frame of the bed itself is made, but there's only two legs on it. The bed's at a 30 degree angle, a 25 degree angle. <laughs> no one can sleep like that. So says the Gemara, don't worry, we can make use of it. So you take your two, uh, you take your two legs that are there, 
and the far end of the bed, you lean it up against a wall and put something underneath it. It's not a proper leg, it's not a proper bed. Enough for you to lie down. And umishta ashle means that you can kind of uh, take a look at Rashi, the fourth line. Umishta ashle, venosen chavolim, umisareg, vireuya lemishka vumetama medras. You can make a, a mock bed, even though you're missing two of the legs, the, the box came without two of the legs, but you made the bed anyways, okay? So you'll lean the other side against the wall. The bed will stay pretty close to level and you don't even have a mattress, but you can take ropes and you can weave them through and then that's considered kosher. How would that compare? Well, in one of my kids' beds, when I made them, they had these wood slats that were connected by uh, some type of uh, canvassy material kind of rope. It's not canvas, what's the material? It's nylon probably, I don't know exactly what it is. Maybe that's the same thing as this. That's not a bed either, but it was enough to make it considered a clean. Therefore, that was why we said on Tezvavim and Beis that we don't have a raya for Ravami Bartivyumi in regards to Bloy Kalim that they're similar to our beds because the beds still have a use even when they're uh, in piecemeal. Masha'en came to Bloy Kalim, don't. Another sigya for tonight, one that we just were talking about now. Gufa, seven, eight lines down, Tezayin and Almost done for the night. Gufa. We just saw this din before. <laughs> that if a person were to make out of out of small um, swatches of uh, of material that are less than three by three, so then halacha is it's psula. So my bloy kalim, how did I know it was three by three? Because the Gemara told me. Amar Abaye, Abaye says matlonios are like rags. So sometimes people do this in their homes when they need rags. Instead of buying clothes, they take the old undershirt, they take the torn towel, and they use it to polish the silver. But if they're very small, then they're, they're a zero halachically. They're not makabal tumah. They're nothing. They're nothing. So we know that these matlonios, these rags are very small. Even a poor person, it's still, it's, it's shards. You could throw it out. It's a nothing. And in fact, Tanya Kavasid Rabbi Ami Bartivyumi, this same idea is replicated prior to, <laughs> to his time. How so? Because we have a brisa that says as follows. Let's say you have a mat that's made out of uh, papyrus or it's made out of reeds. So shireha, when it breaks down and there's very, very small pieces left of this mat, even though what's remaining is a very small shir, not allowed to do that. Very similar to the din of Bloy Kalem, like we saw. Um, in contrast, in the next case, we have a machlokas. If you have a machzelas hakonim, if you have a mat made out of reeds, so there, gedola, if, it, <laughs> if it's very big, <coughs> so then we say, take a look at Rashi. Rashi is an inch and a half above where we are. Dibur hamaskel gedola, if the mat is very large, if it's such a big mat, it's not used for anything else. It's, it's made for schach, so therefore, that's why it's not a problem. But katana, if it's made very small, so then ain't mesachachin, but you could imagine sometimes uh, some people have in their homes, you know, when you're being mechalic between um, milk and meat, you have these placemats. Some of them are made with like small little bamboo shoots, tiny little things. So that, pashat is going to be a kli that's being used as a placemat. It has a real purpose in halacha. It's a heker just a 10 second tangent that when we are eating milk and meat at the same table, we need a hecker to separate, even if it's a child, we need a hecker to separate what I'm eating from what you're eating to remind us that you are fleshic and you cannot eat my food. And if I'm milchik, I can't eat your food while I'm eating. And if it's hard cheese, the big machlokas, I post him, do we wait 30 minutes? Do we wait 24 hours? My rabbin were of the opinion, if you eat any hard cheese, you need to wait 30 minutes between that hard cheese and eating any meat. Macaroni and cheese is considered hard cheese. 
uh, add Parmesan, all the cheeses that look hard cheese, like the way that it is now, it's dip was a little different back in the day, but now because we make all of our cheeses with enzymes and they can harden relatively quickly. So any of the cheeses that when you go in the store are in solid form, that's considered hard cheese, minimum 30 minutes, you have to wait. And according to some, you have to wait six hours. There are sheets like that in postkin, but we typically hold on the, on the lenient side of that of 30 minutes. But you have to brush your teeth out too, because like it's very, uh, becomes very pasty in your mouth. So Anyways, um, so the machzel sakanim, that's very usable. If it's small, that's what the Gemara says. Ketana ein mesachachin ba. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, af hi mekabelas tuma ve'ein mesachachin ba. You're not allowed to use a, either of them. They are all mekabel tuma. No schach can be used even for the large one. Last sugya for the night. We said in our Mishnah, the case of hachotet begadish. We said that if a person has bales and bales of hay and you want to dig out for yourself a sukkah, that that's problematic because it's tasev alomina asui. Because you built a sukkah by carving and carving, well, then the schach was already in place before the inside. It had a cavity for which the schach to be meaningful. That's tasev alomina asui. That's not a kosher sukkah. So almost halfway down the Mishnah uh, that we just quoted, hachotet begadish, the Gemara qualifies it. Amar Avhuna, lo shanu, when do we have our restriction in our mission of Achotet Begadish, that one is not allowed to carve out? Where the height is not one tefach tall, and the Meshech Shiva with a seven by seven square. This is so interesting. Why, why, why would that work? It's still not big enough. It's still not Rosh Hashanah, which we know is our minimum. So we have to go back in our brains. Remember, we discussed a case a number of blot ago that let's say you had a sukkah that was only nine tall, but seven by seven. What did we say you can do? You can dig. So same deal here. We don't care if you're short on the height when you're able to dig. We do care when you're short on the Rosh Hashanah aspect, because as we saw earlier in Rashi and a couple of blot ago, that's like, it's a physical shear of space. If you don't have seven by seven, you're done. But if you're missing your height, you can dig. And we assume that that's it. So that's why it says over here that at a minimum, the height only needs to be one tefach. We only need a small amount of space. Anything less than a tefach is a zero. Why isn't it a lavud shear? Shailah's and the Rishonim to figure out why a tefach is sufficient. But if in fact you have a, 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 um, an air, uh, a cubic area of, it's not a cubic, it's a cuboid, it's really not a real cube, but it's seven tefach by seven tefach by one tefach, that is the, that, then that's not tasevelomina asui. Then you can still dig out. That's fascinating that even though you put the schach on top of a space of only one tefach, that it's not tasevelomina asui. It's very mechudash. <laughs> it's not a kosher sukkah, but we don't care. But because you can dig down, so therefore it's a very unique application. Tanya Namihaki, the Brysa writes something very similar, exactly halfway down to Zayin Amad Aleph, and the Gemara says, uh, sorry, that if a person carves out a sukkah once it's while it's only bales of hay, we have a brisa that disagrees with us. Why are you bringing this as a raya? Because look at the next line. What about our Mishnah that says So the Gemara answers it must therefore be it must be that these two prices are both correct. I'm right, you're right, we're all right. Why? Because we're saying that it's only a sukkah if there isn't one tefach of space in height. But if there is one tefach of space, which is Rav Huna's pshat, so then we understand the case of chotet begadish and how it could be kosher. You're not carving out the right to left and front to back. You're carving out the height, and that's totally fine. As long as it's seven by seven space with one tefach, you're good to go. This supports the shita of Rav Huna. And just another way to skin the cat, ika de rami le mirma. There's another way that this, that this raminhu, that this question, 
question was posed. Tanan, the Mishnah writes, That's our Mishnah. That's our Mishnah that we saw in Tezvav Amunalat. That if you, if you carve out a sukkah from scratch, that's not a sukkah. And then the question was posed yet again, We have another Bryce that seems to say it is a sukkah. And we'll close out with this answer. It's just another version of the same thing. It doesn't seem to be any halachic difference between the two Gemaras. What does Rafuna say? Lokasha. This is not a difficulty. Kan b'shiyesh shem chalal tefah b'meshech shiva. In one case, where the brisa says hareza sukkah, so there, that's because there's already a space that exists before you begin doing more carving of seven by seven by one. Seven by seven, of course, is the footprint, and the one is the height. However, Khan, the brisa that says that's our Mishnah Tezvavim and Aleph, which says that it's not kosher, that's b'shein sham chalal tefach b'meshech shiva. So if we were to look back at our Mishnah, our Mishnah had said that the case of Chotet, um, the Gadish is not kosher. So now we know what our Mishnah is talking about. Our Mishnah is talking about a case where there's maybe a tiny amount of space, but it's not seven by seven by one. It could be 10 by 10 by less than one. It could be six by six by 10, right? But if the footprint isn't seven by seven, and if the height isn't a minimum of one, then that sukkah will not be kosher. And it would be a psul de orisa seemingly of tasa velomina asui. That seemingly is the case because the only way we can solve the problem of sheva al sheva is if you have sheva al sheva. There are no leniencies. And if therefore you, you carve out a sukkah, you had a tiny space underneath all the bales of hay, you put a little box there to keep the shape. And that box is seven by seven with a, with a height of one, you are good to go. One plus. No, it has to be one tefach plus. So the space, let's just talk in our terms. A tefach is about four inches. So you're talking about, uh, sorry, yeah, so you're talking about four. It's about 28 inches by 28 inches by four inches. So I don't know, I don't know whatever it is. It's uh, it's not that big, but but it prevents a psul del raisa of tasa blominosoi because then if you didn't have that seven by seven, there's nothing to talk about. It literally triggers the, why, there should be an Isra Darabon on here. Something else should, should happen. It doesn't sound comfortable that your sukkah is kosher because you had 28 inches by 28 inches by four inches, which no, a rat could fit in there. Yeah, but that's about it. We'll stop at this Mishnah. Mirza Hashem on Shabbos. We will pick up uh, from this Mishnah and learn Daf Tazayin Amid Beis as well as Daf Yud Zayin. Uh, we'll probably go only halfway down in Yudzayin. I'll see how much time I have, but don't worry because Yud Chesam Beis is a shorter block for Sunday, so we'll catch up. Uh, fortunately slash unfortunately, I will be in Pittsburgh on Monday, and if all is well, I will be on a plane during Dafyomi, which means we're probably going to even overlearn Sunday, and may, I haven't figured it out yet. I have to see how hard Sunday's blood is. We'll take it from there. For those of you who are not here right now at Avi Steins, you're welcome to come. We're going to Daven Marv now. Uh, we'll hopefully have a share from Rabbi Robinson in a little bit. Um, and I think that's it. Oh, next week, uh, thank you, Rib Svi is going to be hosting at his house, 3040 Sherwin. He'll be hosting next Thursday night at his, at his house, and I'll send out those details again as we get closer. Carving stations. Wishing you all a beautiful night.